Okay, I'm going to be talking about resource guarding. This was a topic that was requested for me to expand on by a former student and a follower on the YouTube page. So thank you, Taylor, for that suggestion. It is a very interesting topic. I have dealt with a lot of resource guarding. It's a topic that I understand very well. And so I'm going to expand on that a little bit more than maybe you have touched on in the past. So resource guarding, also known as food aggression, is a behavior, it's a display in which the dog um, will do a certain or certain uh, set of behaviors in order to keep the perceived threat away. And if we look at resource guarding and we break it down, you have resource guarding. So let's break that down. Resource. A resource is anything the animal perceives as valuable. So if, it's, if it has value, it automatically becomes a potential resource. Some very common resources and very common displays of resource guarding or, food or aggression in that, in that sense is food aggression. So when people think of food aggression, this is a form of resource guarding. So resource guarding, in this case food, food is the resource, right? It is valuable. It certainly is a primary uh, or a biological, uh, it's, a, it's a, an, an important and a biologically important uh, thing that is necessary for the animal to live. It has value. It is automatically very, very high priority for most animals. So if you have food, something that is of value to the animal, right? If you put it in front of the animal, in front of the dog. Now, if we look at guarding, what guarding is, guarding is any behavior that is meant to keep you or keep the perceived threat away, right? Or not threat, but maybe the perceived competition. That's probably a better word. So the perceived competition away. So any behavior that has the intent to keep the competition away, that would be the guarding part of resource guarding. So when the dog has a, a bowl of food or the dog has a bone or a, a treat that is very, very high value and the dog is consuming it, this now potentially is a resource uh, not potentially, this is definitely a resource. And if the dog perceives you or another animal as competition, this could pair up and turn into resource guarding. Now, not every animal, not every dog has resource guarding. Some dogs have the food or the bone in front of them. It is valuable. They are consuming it. They are enjoying it. So it does have value. It is a resource. But they will not guard it from the perceived competition. Or maybe they don't even perceive it as competition, right? Maybe they don't perceive you or the other dogs as competition. And if they do, maybe they just don't do anything about it. And so you, you see dogs that do very well in a scenario like that. They, you know, you could get close to them. You could take the, the food bowl away from them. You can take the bone away from them. And they don't guard it from you because these dogs don't have resource guarding. 
but you're going to have dogs that do have resource guarding. You're going to have dogs that are going to growl, that are going to show teeth, that are going to do maybe some more subtle signals to let you know, hey, I want you away from this. The thing to remember about resource guarding, something I tell people whenever I talk about resource guarding is resource guarding is a natural, it's a normal behavior. It is perfectly normal for an animal to display this type of behavior. Granted, not every animal does. You know, you'll see dog, or not dogs, I'm sorry, but yeah, even dogs, but you'll see species of animals that could eat in harmony without any issues whatsoever. And maybe in, in, that, in that picture for some animals, there is no need to resource guard but in some other scenarios, you will see some resource guarding even within that species. But if you look at primate, primates, for example, primates are really, really, um, you know, they're, it's really easy to see resource guarding in primates. You look at, you know, all the way to humans. So if you look at, um, you know, chimpanzees, you look at humans, you look at other primates, you'll notice that there certainly is resource guarding, meaning the animal or even the person has something if there is a perceived sense of competition and somebody else becomes competition and this other party, the competition, acts in a way that it could take your resource, you're definitely going to give some sort of signal to let that other, you know, that third party or that the, the other person or the other primate, the other animal, you're going to do something to let them know, hey, don't take my stuff, right? Now, humans use language. Um, other animals use whatever form of communication works best for them. You look at any animal, right? Really, it's not even just with other species. You could say, well, yeah, uh, you know, a lion will resource guard from the hyenas, because they really are competition and they're really, you know, just trying their best to, to consume as much of the kill as possible so that they get to eat. But this even happens within the same species too. Resource guarding is normal. It really, truly is a normal behavior. The big takeaway there is that right there. It is a normal behavior. So if your dog or if a dog you know has resource guarding with food at least you have to realize that this is fairly fairly normal okay it's nothing out of the ordinary there is nothing wrong with your dog there is nothing wrong with the animal this is meant to happen you're supposed to want to eat all of your food if this is potentially a, a scarce resource and if there is competition, you're going to guard it. It is part of the survival mechanism. It's going to happen. Now with dogs, we do get spoiled. With our average pet dog, they're not wild animals. They are domesticated, at least to a degree, but they are domesticated. They're, dom they're considered domestic animals. So when a dog resource guards, we we as in society, we look at that and we go, that's unacceptable. I can't believe he's doing that. And we forget that they're still just animals. They are just animals. 
it's not their fault that they perceive you as competition. Okay, that's just their perception. Maybe you've never taken anything away from them. Or maybe you have. It, but it's not their fault that they perceive maybe your children as competition. Maybe your children have taken things from them. The other dogs, I mean dogs by themselves, if you have three dogs and you put one food bowl or one bone, they're automatically going to be competition. That's just how it's going to be. Okay, if you grab three dogs, even in the same household, and they get along great, you put one bone in the middle of the room, there is going to be a sense of competition there. So it is natural that at least one of these three dogs, if not all of them, are going to display some sort of guarding behavior. Maybe it won't be violent, maybe it'll be subtle, but there will be some guarding behavior. There will be some possessiveness because it is a scarce resource in this really in the in this particular scenario so dogs doing this growling showing teeth freezing when they have a bone and you're nearby and they perceive you as a, as competition you have to realize there is nothing wrong with your dog okay now i'm not i'm not justifying it i'm not saying but just you know, they're animals so just you got to let them be i'm not saying that all i'm saying is First of all, let's not freak out about it. It's not the end of the world. Your dog is fine. Your dog is, is, is a good animal still. But we have to look at this as a couple of things could be going on here. One thing that could be going on is maybe this is a, an inherent trait in that particular individual. Resource guarding, just like many other behaviors, sometimes they are inherently there for certain individuals and they're not there for other animals, for other dogs. So you'll have some dogs that you could take their bones, you could stick, stick your hand in the food bowl and you can pet them and you know, squeeze them while they're eating or chewing their bone and not once will they show you any resource guarding. And then you'll have dogs say, you never even have to do that. You just look at them as they're eating and they auto automatically start guarding. Because some animals, some dogs, are more naturally prone to develop that behavior because they have different characters, different personalities. So some dogs will have that automatically. The other thing to look at it, to, the other way to look at it is, could it be a relationship problem? By relationship, what I mean is, if your dog maybe has had some sort of misunderstanding through maybe accidental rehearsal or accidental, um, maybe you accidentally did send the wrong message without you realizing it. A very common one is the dog is chewing on a bone. And you start petting your dog. And you go, oh, you're so sweet. You're enjoying that bone. That's awesome. I love you. Yeah, enjoy that bone. And I'm not saying that's bad necessarily. It could be. But what I'm saying is some dogs will look at this as you pestering them while they're chewing on their bone. And even though that was not your intention, this became the perception. Perception is everything. So if the dog happened 
to perceive that as competition, as you're pestering it, the dog could potentially go, well, crap, if you're going to pester me, I have to let you know that this is my bone and that you should back away. Therefore, the dog now could potentially resource guard as a result of that happening multiple times. So if it is relationship-oriented, this is something that can be addressed without any issues. Okay, and uh, here's how I know, too, that this is relationship-oriented, too, in many instances. If you are familiar with temperament tests, if you know how temperament tests work, this could be a, a, a podcast or an episode by itself, in and in itself, because that, that, in, that topic itself is complex enough, so I'm not going to dive deep into that here. But a temperament test, very, very quickly is when a neutral person assesses the dog's temperament by putting it in different scenarios and assessing and evaluating how they respond to those scenarios. One of these scenarios, depending on the type of temperament test you're conducting, could be resource guarding. So doing temperament tests, I have done temperament tests in which I see no resource guarding whatsoever from the dog and I'm you know part of the test is I'm pestering the dog to see how they respond we're doing this safely of course but we're doing it to see how the dog responds and nothing happens at all but then the person the owner the person who actually owns the dog will say oh you know he he does growl at me okay so this could be an example of relationship doesn't do it with a stranger because there is no relationship, will do it with its owner because the dog feels more comfortable with the owner. Sometimes the flip side of that happens. I've done temperament tests, when this happens more often, where the flip side of the previous scenario happens, which is you do the temperament test, you put the dog in that resource guarding scenario to evaluate their response. And during the temperament test, during that scenario, they will guard. They will guard. They will even bite the assessor hand. And they can get, you know, they can get pretty violent. Not always do they get that violent, but they, there will be some sort of guarding with a lot of these dogs. And you ask the owner, hey, does your dog do that with you? And they'll go, no, nope, not at all. I could take the bone, I could take the food bowl, and not once does he growl at me. Well, what's, what's the difference? The difference is if I'm testing the dog, I'm the neutral person. The person who owns the dog has a relationship with the dog, so the dog doesn't guard from that person. So it can be very relationship-oriented. This means that if your dog resource guards or has food aggression with you, this could be somehow tied to a misunderstanding in your relationship with the dog. And this can be addressed. You can address this by working on your consistency with the rules. This could be addressed by working on the expectations that you hold your dog to. So looking at it that way, I can look at it as, well, this dog maybe does resource guard, maybe it does view me as competition, but we can address this. How we can address this, there's a couple of different ways. There is the counter conditioning and systematic desensitization. Basically, I tell the dog 
through this particular drill, I let the dog know, hey, I'm not going to take your food. I don't want your food. And my presence actually doesn't mean I get to take away your food. My presence means I add value to what you already have. So then this becomes a counter conditioning exercise. Let's the dog know that my presence, while it's eating its food or chewing on its bone, my presence in that picture, in that context, means I'm going to give you more value. I'm going to add more. I'm going to make it a much more enjoyable experience by tossing high value treats in your direction. So suddenly my presence when you have a bone or a, or, a, or a food bowl doesn't equal crap, he's going to take my stuff. It equals, oh great, he's going to bring me more stuff. So that's one way. The other way is through corrections, through positive punishment. So positive punishment meaning you do this, there's a consequence, timely consequence, and it is done properly without really going over the top but using just enough to let the dog know that's not going to happen and then the dog goes oh got it yep not going to do that provided the dog understands this probably there's already some sort of relationship there if there is no relationship and you do that or the relationship is not good and you do that you you give the correction this could potentially make your relationship even worse so very important to look at that option and be aware that if you're not doing it right, if you're not doing it with the supervision of a professional, this can potentially create more problems. But basically, you in, in either case, you are addressing, hopefully you're aiming to address the relationship where you're letting the dog know, hey, dude, you got the wrong idea. I'm not, I'm not competing for your bone. Or you're going, hey, you don't get to do that. But in either case, you need to do more than just those two exercises. I would prescribe more consistency, more training, more clear rules and boundaries in the relationship to let the dog know that things are a certain way. I'm, I'm not just saying a bunch of rules and restrictions. I'm saying fairness. Okay, This is part of the relationship process is fairness. I want my dog to feel safe. What I do with my dogs is I, I have this verb, not, <laughs> not verbal, but I have this unspoken contract with my dogs. And my contract is, is this. I will not make you feel uncomfortable. I'm not going to harass you. Not only that, but I'm not going to let anybody else or any other dog harass you. This means if I give you a bone or if you have a chew toy, I will make sure that you enjoy that. Not only that, I'm not going to pester you, but also I'm not going to let somebody else or another dog pester you. So if you're enjoying your bone, I'm not even going to let the other dog stare at you while you're enjoying your bone because that can be annoying too. I'm going to make sure that you enjoy it. But at the same time, I'm going to make sure that you also leave the other dogs alone when they are chewing on their bones. So I am providing them with this predictable relationship where I'm letting them know you can relax. I am going to be fair to you. I'm not going to harass you or pester you. There's no need for that. But at the same time, on the opposite side of that, I also expect you to conduct yourself in a respectful manner. 
just like I'm going to be fair with you, I expect you to be fair with me as well. So I'm not going to harass you while you're eating or in any other setting. I'm not going to harass you or make you feel uncomfortable. But I'm also not going to accept unreasonable displays of aggression or any display of aggression, period. Meaning, as an example, if you are chewing on your bone and, you know, part of my contract is I'm not going to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm going to make sure nobody or no dogs make you feel uncomfortable. You can relax. But if I happen to be in the same room, I'm not even looking at you and you come at me and charge at me to push me away. No, that's unfair. I'm fair to you. And in that scenario, what you did was unfair. So we have some relationship building and some bonding that we need to address here. Okay. What, what made you do that? What am I conveying that makes you feel like this is something you have to do? If the answer to that, well, I've gone through everything, there's just not, not much. Maybe in the past, in your previous home, this happened, but this is, this is not your previous home. So I'm going to tighten up things a little bit more. I'm going to go, all right, dude, we're going to have to restrict and limit some of those freedoms that you have. And we're going to maybe revamp our relationship a little bit so that you know that there is a little bit of a hierarchy here. Okay. There are some boundaries. There are some rules that you have to abide by. And I will clarify the relationship that way. Okay. On top of all the things too, I'm not just going to restrict and add a bunch of boundaries there is going to be other things involved. I do want the dog to feel comfortable with me. I want the dog to feel comfortable in its, uh, in its environment. But again, I'm also going to make sure that I don't see any unpredictability on your side either. And if there is, um, it is my responsibility. It is my job to address that. Okay? So very relationship-oriented. I'm going to be fair to you. You have to be fair to me. Okay, I'm not going to harass you. I don't expect to be harassed either. So back to the relationship status thing. The other thing that I can do too is if I have a dog that resource guards is I could just put it on a maintenance mode. By maintenance mode, what I mean is, look, you obviously, just an example, obviously still see me as competition. So here's what we're going to do. If, if, I, you know, if I didn't want to address the relationship, if, if I have a client that maybe doesn't have the knowledge or the skill to address this despite my efforts, here's what I can do. I can go, hey, here's what you're going to do. Just feed him in his crate, period. That's it. Don't even feed him out of a bowl. Uh, if, if that's happening where he's eating and he starts growling and snarling at anything that's nearby, just feed him in the crate. That is kind of a, that's not even a solution. That's more of a, we're going to live with it and we're going to do the best we can, but it's more of a maintenance, a management, um, more of a management strategy, which means, yeah, we're not really going to focus on that right now. We're just going to make sure that you don't get to rehearse it. So what happens a lot of times is you'll have people that have two dogs and they feed them together. So they feed them at the same time. And now 
this causes one of those dogs to resource guard and things could get pretty ugly. So a management solution or a management strategy rather would be don't feed them at the same time. Feed them at different times and separate from each other. This is now a management strategy, meaning we're not going to address this. We're going to live with it, but we're going to live with it in a harmonious manner. You're going to be eating separately. Or I am going to feed you in your crate so that you don't get to rehearse this behavior, so that you don't get to see this thing that gives you the idea that I'm going to take your food. Also, going back to being fair, if now that I was talking about these these two dog scenarios, this actually does happen. I've I've heard of this happening multiple times in obviously different cases. But people do that. People that have multiple dogs, they'll feed them all at the same time, which there is nothing wrong with. I feed two of my dogs, they eat at the same time. And I've even had three of my dogs all eat at the same time from their own food bowls. But here's what I do. The second one of them is done, I ensure that that dog does not go to the other dogs while they're eating. Because then that makes the other dogs feel uncomfortable. So if I have the three dogs eating, one of them is going to finish first. And this one dog that finished first probably will have the inclination to go to the other dog that's still eating and pick out some of its food. And I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not even going to let you go in that direction. You're going to let that dog eat even though you finish yours. You're going to wait there or I'm going to put you in some sort of command like a down or something. And you're going to wait there or I'm going to pull you away. That's fine too. But I'm not going to let you harass the other dogs while they're eating. Because if you do, if you don't do anything about it and, you know, the two dogs are eating, one of them finishes first and the second it finishes, it goes to the other dog. Even if the other dog has no resource guarding, this happens often enough, that dog will develop resource guarding because it will have no choice but to do it. Otherwise, it's just not going to eat. And people don't think about these things. Your average pet owner doesn't think about that. So, important to know that. I want to make sure my dogs feel safe, my, all of them. I want them to feel comfortable. If they're going to chew on a bone, they're going to chew on a bone. I, we, we don't even let the cat bother the dog, any dog. So, if the dog is just there chilling, enjoying, having a good time, chewing on his bone, laying, and the cat starts stalking the dog, we go, hey, no, knock that off. He's chewing something. He's taking a nap, let him be. You're not going to pounce on that dog. And we will push that, that cat away. Because again, it is an unspoken contract that I have as a pet owner with my dogs. They will be comfortable. I will not sacrifice their comfort for the sake of a, a dog or, or another animal that just wants to get an extra bite of food. So I will make sure that these dogs are comfortable. This addresses my relationship with them. It does uh, make, make it so that I'm not a, 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 a person that takes anything away from them and that I'm advocating for them. So relationship, again, we're going back to relationship-based. Okay. The other thing, too, is 
because this is a natural behavior, I, wanna, I want to remember that because this is a natural behavior, again, it's not a bad thing necessarily. It really is not. It's only bad when the dog is flipping the hell out and it's unreasonable in its, in its guarding and it's just going after anything that is nearby. Then it is incredibly important that, obviously, that we address this because that is not normal. That's, that's more abnormal. That falls more on, on the abnormal category where I get it. It makes sense but you're way too quick on the trigger. Nobody's even actively reaching for you and you, you just see this person and, and you automatically try to light them up. And I have seen dogs like that too. So we're gonna wrap it up and I'm gonna do a little bit of a recap on what I talked about. Resource guarding. We talk about resources, anything that is perceived as valuable Guarding, which is any behavior meant to push the competition away, occurs when either A, there is a misunderstanding in the relationship, or B, it's an inherent behavior in that individual. Okay? How do we address that? By addressing the relationship. I could also address it through counter-conditioning, which in itself will also address part of the relationship and I could also address it through punishment positive punishment this is more operant conditioning counter conditioning falls more under the classical conditioning and positive punishment will fall more under the operant conditioning category uh, another thing too that we talked about is I want to make sure my dog feels safe I want to make sure my dog is comfortable. I'm going to be fair to you. You also have to be fair to me. And last, if counter conditioning is something that I can't do or can't commit to, and operant conditioning is something that I don't have the skill or the timing to do, I could also do a management strategy, which is we're going to live with it, but we're going to make it so that you don't get to rehearse this behavior. And remember, it is a natural, it's a natural mechanism. It's a natural, natural behavior. If the dog does resource guard, there is nothing wrong with that dog. And on a final, final, final note, resource guarding is not always food aggression. It could be with toys. It could be with a bunch of different things. As long as it is something that has the perception of value to the dog. All right, and that's pretty much it. Um, make sure that you share this episode if you liked it. Uh, make sure you go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, like the videos, uh, go to my Instagram, go to my Facebook. They're all dog training is my passion. And remember to check out my books on Amazon. Look up William Garrido. And I got the two books on there. I'm working on the third one. Stay tuned with that one. And I'll see you on the next episode.